Blog Talk Radio. Show is starting. would have started talking. We're in unprecedented uh, territory here. It's true. But we do well, have a chance to talk about the head hauntress behind her back. Finally. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know. I know, I know better. <laughs> that that I, well for me. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't said anything about her, her choice in hats ever to her <laughs> face, but I just figure this, this might be the time to broach the subject. Anyone thoughts? Uh, I, I was she wearing a hat in the FP movies? Yes. Um, oh, a, were those her choices, or a, was she a, jaunt, a jaunty beret? That's what it's I thought. True. <laughs> I thought I'm it was kidding. I, I like her headgear no, just fine. I just I don't really know what else to talk about. Well, you got to go this like were, this. Hello. And welcome to another edition of the Sexy Witches. I'm not your head hauntress, <laughs> but with me, as always, are my co-hosts. <laughs> yeah, you forgot a, po- a podcast from the geek girl's perspective. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Get a girl. We got there. We got there. So were you all um, watching the Oscar nominations yesterday? Did you, like, set your alarm? Not yesterday, on Tuesday. I was just uh, clocking into work as the head hauntress was watching the Oscar nominations. So I kind of got them secondhand. Nice. I rewatched yeah. them on the YouTube. Nice. That's said. what I did too. Because I woke up too yeah. late. <laughs> Me too. I was I happy. I was very happy with the ovation that Godzilla got. Yeah. Hey yo. About time. Oh my goodness. Godzilla is having such the ride, and and the director too. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw, but I posted a story on how uh, the director uh, Yamazaki, I want to say, went up to Skywalker Ranch and oh, nice. just got you know royally treated. They they showed his film. Uh, Dave Filoni, uh, who's a huge fan, introduced him, and prior to this. Uh, Yamazaki had said uh, he'd hoped to, to one day do a Star Wars film, so all the little fanboys, yours truly included, just kind of went <laughs> really loud. Yeah. Okay, I I really want a kaiju battle between Godzilla and the Rancor. That's oh, fair. God. Yes, please. And I mean, thank has you. has Godzilla even ever been mentioned at the Oscars before? Like, he has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know. He does. And I feel like 
Yeah. He, um. he did one year. One year, Godzilla did get a uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at the MTV Movie Awards. That's right. They know which what's was pre- pre- presented by none other than Patrick Stewart. Oh my God! <laughs> I I have to go rewatch that after this. That's amazing. Yeah, I forgot. I, I vaguely remember that. Uh, remember he's talking about all the all the little people he stepped on on his way to the top, and all it's it's outstanding. Uh, it is outstanding. Well, well, would this be a good time since the head Hauntress has taken Godzilla minus zero off the table, as it were, tonight? Is this a good time to start talking about that and wait for her to come in? Who uh, actually, she just uh, texted something saying, "Keep going." I think it's a great idea because I mean, I, let me let me ask you guys what you think about the idea to preclude it from our list because I'm pretty sure it would have been on all our lists, probably it at the top, and it would it yeah. almost wouldn't have been fair to every other movie released this year. Accurate, yeah. To be compared to that, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, it definitely would have been on my list and probably pretty high. Uh, standard that I've become used to in most kaiju films. I have a pretty low bar for what I'll accept as severe entertainment from kaiju <laughs> films. Um, but this was just a whole different level. It was actually a good film, um, regardless of Godzilla. And uh, also, you don't have to wait like 90 minutes for Godzilla to show up. They just throw uh, you right in. Right. Yeah. And I really liked that. Um, great music, great acting, great scripts. Um, not, nothing more I would want. Godzilla I, was I, great. I got a good chuckle out of a uh, message that you sent to the Hauntress oh, about, okay. about the movie. <laughs> oh, that I cried. Yeah, um, I was you're like, like, I can't believe I'm crying during in. a Godzilla movie. Yeah, this right? has never happened before. I ended up crying actually three different times, and um, I watch a lot of movies, and so um, I don't tear up very easily anymore because I've seen, you know, I've seen all the tropes. Um, but it was so honest in its delivery, and I really cared about the characters. Well, most of the time, the human characters are just there to kind of drive the kaiju action. But yes. this this was always like if you had taken Godzilla out of this movie and just used the atomic bomb or just the destruction of the war or whatever kind of in the place of Godzilla, it still would have made sense. Yeah, and it still would have been strong. Yeah, and yeah. the performance like across the board, the performances in it were excellent. Mhm, I agree. Um, and I, yeah, I definitely don't want to give anything away. It it's um it is set in the 50s it's kind of a a remake of the 54 version we're set after world war ii korean war is just getting going and um the i mean it's a period film on top of everything you know um there's a lot of history in there and there's so much about um you know, the history of Japanese army, um, you know, I, I went down a huge rabbit hole on uh, different pilots during <laughs> World War II mm. and um, how sense that had been ingrained in people in Japan that went back as far as the samurai where anything is better, 
than capture. Death is better than capture. Um, you know, you don't want to disgrace or die with um, without honor. And this is the first film that's, that's really Japan actually saying, hey, you know what? These guys were 17 to 21. Not everybody was all gung-ho, like, hail the leader, I'm going to go die. Like, it's, it's very similar to um, kind of our eyes opening about Vietnam, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we just sent everyone to fucking die for no reason. And a lot of people are now kind of historians, Japanese historians are opening up about that more that not everyone was so um, just gung-ho to be in the war as is written. Uh, there is a lot more detail and pain involved that people still carry to this day. And something that deep in a Godzilla movie is insane to me. <laughs> All right. Can you guys hear me now? Oh, my God. (laughs) So, for some reason, um, I could hear on my my headphones that I could not talk. The mic wasn't working. Oh, wow. I don't know why. Um, And so, I actually had to call into myself. Okay. (laughs) We totally didn't talk about your hat. Uh-uh. Oh, um, I did hear that part. I did, that. and I actually wore a fedora in the nineties. Just so you know. <laughs> I remember seeing pictures of that. Mhm. Well, welcome. Any any comments about Godzilla minus one? I decided to recuse it from our list because I had a feeling it would hit all of our top ends. I know it would be my. To, it would have made number two or number one easily on my list. And, mm-hmm. um, I that would have been my number one. Its, yeah, I saw it in its entirety um, like twice in the theaters, and I'm probably going to go see it a third time when um, uh, which, the, the black and white one comes out this Friday. So, yep. uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's so moving. I took my evil genius. My evil genius also cried, uh, Raven. Um, and she turned to me and she goes, I'm crying during a Godzilla movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I took her, I took them to see two films when they were visiting here for holidays. That and Iron Claw, and she cried, they cried more for Godzilla. Um, and believe me, Iron Claw is one of those movies that is really, really, really sad. Um, so, um, but um, yeah, I it, it it is everything you want in a Godzilla picture. Yet it's the first. I would I would say it's the first time I fell in love with the with the characters. But it really might be like I truly love every single one of those characters in that yeah. film. Um, and yeah, and that's very rare for Godzilla. My favorite Godzilla film is Gidra, the Three-Headed Monster. And the monsters, even though I actually think the human story in that movie is actually really awesome, and the Peanut Sisters are just the shit, um, you know, uh, it, it's still rather flat when it comes to the act, the, 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 act, the human acting. And, and the monsters are front and center. Here, there was a balance of everything. Um, and the desperation of them trying to figure out how do you get rid of a giant monster that breathes comic breath? I mean, what are you going to do? Right. You know? <laughs> so um, I want to give a, a shout out to fandom, um, you know, uh, fathom events. So um, what they've been doing for the last year, instead of having a straight up like ad campaign, they've been releasing older Godzilla movies. 
and some of the shorts and stuff like that. And they're going to come back up later in the top ten for a couple other films. So, but I loved how I saw what we saw in the space of from December of last year to December of this year, we went and saw three Heisei era Godzilla movies in the theaters, I think. Nice. And, yeah, we saw uh, TMK, uh, GMK. We saw uh, Against Mechagodzilla and Tokyo SOS. Yeah, so we saw all these, like, you know, it was kind of a great build-up to, like, a really great release. And, you know, it was like the Terrifier 2 of 2023, you know, one opened in one, a few theaters. Next thing you know, it has a wide release two weeks later. So, and it's getting re-released again. And, you know, I even think that it actually has a dark horse, a chance of winning the visual effects Oscar. Uh, the buzz and yeah. momentum is there. Uh, it really depends if we're going to be snobby and not give it to Japanese because, honestly, that movie made most of the Hollywood movies look like chumps. Uh, yep. you know, on a and for a million fraction dollars. of the dollars. Yeah, yes. a $50 or, yeah. million dollars compared what, to 200 and what, $30 million for Little Mermaid and it didn't crazy. get that money back. Yeah. They, ba- they yeah. basically made Godzilla Minus One on Godzilla versus Kong's catering budget. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it was just, it's such a great film, and I really think it capped off the end of a very solid movie season. Uh, You know, I think movies were really, when music was mainstream music, I know, like, Nathan was big. Don't you dare say it was a bad year for music. It was a fantastic year for music. (laughs) Mainstream music was questionable. I don't know what, when when the best song was the Miley Cyrus song this year, that's... So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on with that. But movies are solid all around from the PG-13s to, and there's a lot of genre. We didn't talk, you, you guys kind of jumped off the, the, the Oscar wagon real quick, but um, but I did want to say that we I, feel more, <laughs> I feel more disconnected from the Oscars the older I get is because I'm, I don't know if I'm just not interested in those kind of films anymore or I watch them less or they're just harder to get a hold of. Uh, but, you know, there was a few standouts, uh, Poor Things by uh, Yorgos Lathamos. I swear, that guy can do anything and he'll get nominated for an Oscar. He won't win it, but he'll get nominated. Uh, yeah. you know, and he always has some really weird-ass movies, and I've yet to see Poor Things. I really, it's on my list. Have either um, of you El seen Con- that one yet? No, it's on my list, too. I'm sorry to say I haven't seen uh, it yet. Almost went. Raven, you saw it? Yeah, I'll talk about it later. Hint, hint. Oh, <laughs> okay, nice. Um, yeah, yep, yeah, excellent. And um, you know, so and uh, El Conde um, for about the the vampire, Pinochet vampire movie was nominated for cinematography, which was a delightful nice. surprise. It does look cool. Um, that is a beautiful <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we Very saw it a couple weeks ago. It's it's pretty well made. It didn't it, it didn't make my top ten, but um, I will it, say it, though. It, there's a scene in that movie, there's a scene in that movie of, I don't think this will give anything away, of a vampire flying for the first time, which is one of my favorite moments in cinema, in cinema this year, like, across all of Little feedback um, there. Yeah, weird yeah. echo. That's because I was walking into one room. And into oh, the you other. opened the door. Okay. Ah. Yeah, it was, it was a time warp. Um, but, anyway, uh, that was one of the best... <laughs> movie moments of the year was in El Conde. El Conde. Right. It, it, yeah, so I was pleased about that. So the, 
There were some pleasant surprises. Um, I was really surprised how well Anatomy of a Fall did. Um, that yeah. was I I'd heard some buzz about it, but now I mean it really like nobody's talking about like it's right behind Barbie, and um and Oppenheimer for and poor mm. things for nominations. And poor things got a fuck ton of nominations. Um, so you know uh, uh you know foreign films are doing well again on the Oscars, which always makes me happy. Um. And Anatomy of Fall is a foreign language film. Uh, so, yeah. is there it's any half other and films half. I just watched half it today. Half. It's half English and half French. And there's a little bit ah. of German. Okay. Um, is there any films, uh, Oscar films, that you're excited got nominations? Godzilla? Um, I, yeah. <laughs> other than Godzilla, but we already know we love Godzilla. So. Barbie, but don't um, get me started. Well, a kind of the opposite uh, effect happened to me because we have 10 Best Picture nominations, one female director nominated. Um, a female director made the most money of any movie ever, and we still only have one female director, and females were working 33% less in Hollywood last year. Um, so I was kind of pissed because uh, there were tons – there were tons of female directors with films that were a lot better than many of the nominations. Um, Ava DuVernay had a movie, um, Origin. Um, You know, there's there's just, it's not good enough. (laughs) And that's kind of maybe why I've been dropping off the bandwagon of Oscars. I used to never miss a year. And now it often depresses me because the Academy doesn't have the variety it needs to vote for the variety the audience needs to get variety in our movies in Hollywood. The older mm. generation is it. dying they, off. They've been, they've been trying to fix this for now, what, five, ten years, and they still can't get it right. And they, they can't get it right. Last got, year. I'm I'm excited Lily Gladstone was nominated, but out of everyone in Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese, De Niro, and DiCaprio had the least talent of everybody involved with that film. All of the Mm. natives were so good. They kicked everybody's ass in acting. They made De Niro and DiCaprio look like amateurs. Um, And so to only have one native nominated and still that's going to be a freaking record-breaking thing if she wins we are still really freaking racist in hollywood and you would think that hollywood isn't and it's sad because it isn't compared to a lot of places and yet it's still we have so far to go well, to, the Academy might be an issue, but to be fair, um, and Nathan and I were looking at our films lists for you know what we've watched last year, and we noticed how many of the films are very female centric or have mm-hmm. main female characters. I mean, the, right. I will say my, number, the my number one does not, but my number two definitely does. Um, uh-huh. And you know, and and w- one of my favorite mad scientists of this year was a woman. Uh, you know, uh, it, 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 there was so there was a lot of strong female performances. There are females behind the camera, above and below the line, which is what we want, right? Above and below the line. Yeah. But you know, where the jobs they're getting, they're getting it in television. 
television's a di- completely different thing, a job. But hopefully, we'll we'll have to see what next year brings. Because the SAG, brand new contract, fully new negotiations, the brand brave new world. So we'll have to see how it changes. Um, you know, people's voting preferences in the future right. with the Writers Guild. Writers Guild. Yeah. Um, made a bunch of the best picture nominees in their category uh, eligible for their screenplays, and then yeah. including Barbie and Poor Things, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. So something's going on there. Yeah, it's a confuse. I I was reading a bit about it. It's a little confusing, but it looks like we don't get to find out the winners for things that they are going to consider adaptations until October. Crazy. I don't know, and it's also weird because they're considering Barbie an adapted screenplay just because the Mattel toy exists, and Poor Things is getting an adaptation um, recognition because it's basically Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was God. I was I was wondering about Bar when they announced Barbie for that. I'm like, how is yeah. that an adapted screenplay? Right, exactly. It's not like a remake. It's not like there was a book or a novel of Barbie. Their argument that I don't necessarily agree with is that the existent IP, intellectual property, Mm -hmm. is there going back decades and that they drew upon that. But does that mean mean every single Marvel movie is an adapted screenplay now? Uh, Apparently, and so is history. Oh, my God. You you featured Alexander the Great in that? That's adapted. You didn't make it up. Yeah. Uh, don't get me started. That would be Bill and Ted's excellent adventure was the, one of the greatest Thank adapted you. screenplays of all time. Right. Lion King is adapted because it's freaking oh, Hamlet Kimba. goes safari. Right. Yes. And Kimba the White Lion, but again, don't get me started. Right. <laughs> I, I knew as soon as uh, Greta and, and Margot Robbie were, were um, snubbed out of the Oscars, they would say something, though I don't honestly think, you know, there's a quite a fervor, but honestly, I don't think it's the biggest snub. I think the biggest no, snub either. is that uh, the biggest snub, of, for at least in my opinion, is that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem was yes. not nominated for animated feature. Uh, uh, talk <laughs> about it later. Yes. Yeah, me too. I'm not talking about the movie, okay? Okay. Know? Yeah, no, 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 I was really pleased to see Nimona there, which is a surprising yes. gem of a film. Yeah, Nimona was awesome. Um, so I, I do recommend Nimona. Nimona. Um, but, uh, you know, that, so there were some genre wins in there for the nominations. I'd, but it wasn't I'd like, like to last bring up, year. I'd like to bring up one snub that that rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, I'm scared. Don't say it. You're going to uh, say my number one. I don't know. No, mine is the best single performance I saw in any movie last year. Was Holt Holt, was Holt McClaney as Fritz von Erich in The Iron Claw? Oh, he He was really good. In my mind, put on the best performance I saw in any movie, hands down across the board. And for him, not like. He, it was really his story. You could have called him a lead actor, or you could have made him. You nominated him as supporting actor. Either way, really, the way that movie is, you know, the, the ensemble is. But that performance deserved some love. Mm. I mean, there was a, quite a few things people snubbed. There, 
I mean, we we can we can also circle back if we felt like one of the films on our list was snubbed for an Oscar for a reason. Because I mean, let's face it, movies like uh, I mean, honestly, Megan could have been nominated for some stuff, but um, you know, like nobody's gonna nominate. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, actually I look at my list and most of the movies could be up for a nomination. Maybe when Evil was going to be, but um. Actually, you know what? Based on this conversation, I'm now pissed off Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles didn't get a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? One uh, thing I am excited I'm for is because they usually do, you know, musical performances of all the songs that are nominated. I am very much looking forward to an I'm Just Ken live number. That's me too. That's yeah. the, one, the first thing I said to uh, Nathan after the nominations. I said, should, at least we're going to get Ryan Gosling saying I am They should build the entire show around that. I, I actually said that after watching the movie with Natalie. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's so freaking in there. Amazing. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, too. Um John Williams' final score for Indiana Jones yeah. and the Dial of Destiny was nominated. Um, he actually has a chance of winning it because it is literally his retirement. Uh, well, you know, uh, uh, Miyazaki was nominated too. Did they? Uh, did they? Um, did they nominate the? Oh gosh, I forgot words. Um, the. <clears throat> Riku, I can't remember. He just died. Um, he did the score for Society of the Snow, and it was the last score he did before he passed away. Oh, right. Uh, no. Uh, he also composer. was in um, Schnabity uh, with David Bowie. Oh man, now that's going to. Oh, this is Michael Giacchino. That's not right. Oh. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. As soon as I find it, I'll let you know. It was a Japanese composer. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. She... Sato? It wasn't Is Society that... of Snow, right. though, I think. I think I missed it up. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, but, yeah, if, if he just passed away and his score was nominated, that would be a difficult fight there, vote-wise. Remember who he is. Um, I'm not actually yep. seeing him for best score here. Um, I'm seeing Lori Carpman from American Fiction, Ludwig Gorhansen, which makes him the front runner with John Williams, Oppenheimer, and uh, Dial of Destiny. And then there's Jerkskin Fredericks, which is Four Things, and then Robbie Robertson for Killers of Flower Moon. He just died Maybe too, didn't he? Maybe he did. I don't know. I Like I said, I feel really cut off from, um, you know, I used to, like, going to a Scorsese film for me was, like, a big deal. Like, it's the new Scorsese. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to watch the new Scorsese. And I haven't enjoyed a Scorsese movie in since the departure. Yeah. Robbie you Robertson know? died in, um, yeah. August 9th. Uh, Raven, yeah. Raven, you're referring to Ryuchi? Sakamoto, Thank who you. I oh. fell in love with uh, for his work in Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. That was one of my favorite scores. Back oh, then. that's a good movie, too. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing fucking movie. So he died on March 28th of last year. Um, but 
Whatever he just, what was the movie he just, <laughs> I need Wikipedia. Oh, it was Monster, 2023, oh. Monster, um, okay. about the two boys, uh, two queer kids in Japan yeah. who have to be closeted and um, kind of, it's a, a Rashomon-type story. There's three sections, and each section is the same story told from a different point of view. And uh, Ryuchi did all the the piano score to it. It's beautiful. And, and the screenplay. So that... Oh, really? He did oh, I'm both. sorry. No, no, different different Sakamoto. I'm sorry. That was okay. Yuji who did the screenplay. Yeah, okay. I apologize. Okay. So, yeah. So, we have three... <laughs> Three recently dead composers, and I guess two of them are competing for an Oscar against Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, if I have that right. So that would oh be a rough one, tough one. Yeah, no doubt. Because that's the other thing. Yeah, I, we haven't talked about it on this show, but we've talked about past shows. The Academy doesn't just give Oscars for the performances right. in that particular film. Dot, dot, right. dot, body of work, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. That's why I think that John Williams has got a really good shot yeah. of it, even though Dial of Destiny, I mean, actually, I'll say the schoolwork in Dial of Destiny is perfectly good. I mean, it, it feels like an Indiana Jones film from the beginning. Yeah. It me, it felt adequate. But yeah. adequate doesn't I mean, make me want to give someone the material, an But the material was no. not the best Indiana Jones we've had in the past. And I'd say it's it the best adapted maybe score. Third. <laughs> it might be. You know that used to be a real. Um, that actually used to be a real Oscar um, category. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So and, and, and then they got rid of it. But yeah, look for wow. the original Oscars. You'll see a best adapted score. But that'd be like people using uh, public, you know, public domain right. classical pieces. I remember. You know what? One of the yeah. reasons that happened was because of Singing in the Rain, because Singing in the Rain is one of the oh. first examples and most famous examples of a jukebox musical. There was only one new song in Singing in the Rain, which was Make Them Laugh. Right. Everything else huh. was already a hit. Um, and they knew Singing in the Rain needed to win a ton of Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's I mean, adapted now? Did, did Ludwig Gorhansen win for Black Panther? I don't remember. I thought he did. I he don't know. I'm so bad with remembering scores. Uh, you know, because uh, he's up for the uh, Oppenheimer, and uh, you know, so he, he actually has a real good shot at, at getting that movie. I think it's Oppenheimer. For. I don't know. I'm starting to lose it. But either way, he's up for the <laughs> drawer. Was it? Um, yeah, I was right, Oppenheimer. So, uh, you know, Oppenheimer is the big one. I still have not seen Oppenheimer yet. I've seen Barbie. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. I, I don't think but I, 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 Let me talk about Barbie for a minute. Or do we want to wait till later? Wait. It's on the list. Okay. Well, we will, <laughs> we will talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer when we get to our top tens, I'm sure. And if not, we can always uh, – I've padded a half an hour in also, so we have a little extra time. Yes, ma'am. So, nice. Go ahead. HH, uh, yes, Black Panther won Best Original Score and the Grammys and the song King's Dead uh, from yeah, Lamar's album yeah. also won a Grammy. So he, he's actually between him and John Williams. It's going to be one of them. Mm. I'm almost positive. 
it's going to be. That's my early prediction, but that's the only prediction I'm making at a time. So I, I usually wait to see what the Guild Awards are doing. It won't be able to sound yeah. like she used the Writers Guild Awards to, to give any ideas of right. what's going to happen. Well, uh, of course, you on part own. of it. <laughs> you know, Greta Gerwig and Nolan Baumbach uh, were not nominated for the major awards. They were nominated for adapted screenplay. Uh, <laughs> and going back to that real quick, and then we'll drop Oscar Kwok. You know, that's always been the consolation prize award for the person yeah. that made the best movie but didn't get the director's award. So maybe they will screenplay, and I have a feeling it might. Now, do I think Barbie deserves the adapted screenplay win? Mm-hmm. I will talk about <laughs> that later. Okay. Anyway. What's it adapted right. from? The back of the box? Well, there the are IP. books. There are yeah. books. I mean, there's everything, you know. Yeah. I, you know there's everything. Barbie's all. Um, so, I, I actually, let's take a quick coffee break. Um, hmm. I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna drop a song in and go get coffee, um, and then we're gonna change uh, course and do our top ten. So stay with us if you're listening. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for listening. Oh, um, and and if you aren't listening live, that's fine. Uh, but take a quick coffee break. I'm gonna pl- not necessarily play the whole song, so be ready. I'm not gonna warn you when we come back. You might miss oh something amazing if you don't come back. And I'm gonna pee. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but then um, Nathan actually asked for a request before we did our round robin, and I'll explain around round robin. He wants to do, before we actually do the round robin itself, and I'll explain the rules to the section with this, he wants to do a round of strictly honorable mentions. Oh, lovely. So we don't lose a slot in our top ten films. So, and, and I thought about it, and that's kind of fair. So we will do. You get. You'll get. There's, we are allowed two slots for honorable mentions. When we're on the break, look at your choices and pick one, and we will talk about those before we do our official countdown. So right. um, we'll be we'll be right back. Oh no! No! We're not no. Be right back. Oh no! You've doomed us all. <laughs> yeah. I'm always number two No one knows how hard I tried Oh, oh I, I have feelings that I can't explain Driving me insane All my life been so polite But I'll sleep alone tonight
conference is still here. And can you all hear Is anybody on the line with the I was so into the mm-hmm. song. Oh, I know. It's such a great song, but here, I'll turn back up. I wish there was a better. I was pleased that I'm just Ken got nominated. I, you know, the, the whole reason, you know, I, I'm really glad about that because the music and Barbie is actually quite good. Uh, most, no, most, uh, but um, one back, sound off roll call. This is the Huntress. Hello, hello. Uh, in, in reintroduce yourself. I'm the Enchantress of Nevermore, Raven Zalsohawk. Bow down to me. Ah, Enchantress of Nevermore. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm I'm the Wizard of Orange County. My name is Aaron Kogan. I like skinny skiing and going to bullfights on acid. Cool. Whoa. Never knew that. I I didn't know that either. Uh, That's a new one on me. Um, (laughs) And in the ATL, 50 points if you can name that movie. Hmm. Dirty South Sorcerer yeah. in the house, and uh, I think I need to go to a bullfight on acid now. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, count me in. Uh, DJ's no. right, you know, like two hours from here. Get out here. Let's go. We can we can do it with uh, Comic-Con. No. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> Comic-Con. I don't know if I can do Comic-Con and WrestleMania weekend in the same year. It might kill me. Uh, <laughs> but we'll talk about that, too. We're also, at the end of the show, uh, we'll have a quick preview of some of the uh, events that are coming up our way that will shape some of our episodes. Um, and I'll, also, I have I'll this, also tell you how I may have just participated in a world record. Oh, oh yeah, man, we don't know it. But, um, a, little, a little teaser for the uh, end of the show. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> The, 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 there's our, I have few, there's things in our future which are kind of mm-hmm. big deal and um, it's going to be a crazy year 2024. I have decided to do one final year of, of Sexy Witches to close out 10 just to make a nice round number. This will be, I decided that this will be my last year um, to do the podcast. Um, however, I might reshape it and evolve it into something new. So I might still have this space, but um, I think this will be our last year as the podcast itself. And um, we're going to talk more. So let's make this the coolest and awesomest last few episodes we could possibly fucking have because it's been, I can't even imagine that I've done it this long. It's actually kind of amazing. So uh, 10 year anniversary in April. So we'll have to have a big party, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's try to figure we that should out. Do, we, a, we should do yes. a show in person. Oh, for my our God. Final show. Oh, you know what you should do? You should meet us, and I'm actually fucking serious about this. Meet us on April 8th in Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls? Oh. I can't get that far. <laughs> I have a service oh, dog. Well, that's, that's, that's literally where we're going to be. Oh, we're going yeah, to see the, the eclipse. Far. We're going to see the eclipse nice. up there. So, you know, Make sure you turn around, right? Inch by inch. Step by step. Well, inch by inch. Well, 
I, we do need, to be fair, we do need to come out to L.A. and see you guys. Um, we haven't, here, here. Um, I, I really want to show Nathan around L.A. And, yes, I might even we have can help. the Disneyland thing. Uh, I, I always end up going to Disneyland when I'm down there. And it's not even like I want to go to Disneyland all the time, but just so people with me want to go to Disneyland. But and, and, Haunted and Mansion Nathan, is closed for, like, the next 18 months. Oh, that's right. So that's good. We don't have to go right now. That's right. Thank <laughs> yeah, you for you reminding wait. me. I watched a, yeah. a YouTube video where this uh, whiny Gen Z guy was, like, really upset about it. <laughs> yeah, I got there, I got there, like, two weeks before it closed um, with oh, good. my first disability payment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you got to see it. So I, 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 the Haunted Mansion is the best thing in the entire fucking world period on yeah. everything. Yeah. I tried uh, to move in so, when I was five. I literally tried uh, to move in when I was five. No, it, I got it, in trouble. Know, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, so let's talk about it is now because the Oscars is always a good time to reflect on the year before. Um, you know, you, you, we're, the 2023 films linger just a little bit longer. So I always like to wait and tell to, to format a list so close to the Oscar nomination time because that gives me a little extra chance to catch some of those late movies and I caught one late movie and it made a last yeah. minute into my list. So um yeah. so Happens so I every year. The, day, yep, the day after the Oscars is uh, has been our annual uh um top ten list, but we don't do a traditional top ten list where we just pretend and one. That's not uh, People do that other places. This is more interesting and actually ends up making more of a variety of movies and a little bit more freeform in a weird, odd way. But anyway, um, let me get more specific. This is going to be called, I call this the Sexy Witch Round Robin. And so each of the people on the Sexy Witch panel has made a top 10 best of 2023 films. Now, it's not necessarily the dude is the best ever, no, it's a favorite. Ones they like. like my my list often is pretty subjective in the lower half, but like the top three are my three favorites. But they don't necessarily. I don't. The ranking is subjective, and I sometimes will reshuffle. You know, in like two months later, I'll go. Yeah, that was wrong. Mm-hmm. But right now, this is what I like. Um, so all of us are going to take turns though. We don't read a whole top ten. We start at five, and everyone talks about their five, and then they bring it down. Uh, um, the order this year is going to be. Are we ready? Yeah. Raven, you're, o- you're, o- you're opening. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's good. That means you get to talk about things first. So you, uh, you're opening, then Aaron, then Nathan, then me. Okay? All right. Let's go yeah. there. And we're going to read them five all the way around, and we'll talk about the movies together because uh, obviously other people might have that film on their list and want to talk about it too. So we all talk about the film for a few minutes. And then uh, we go to the next person and they say they're five. Now let's just say, Raven, what happens if, oh my God, somebody already took my movie? Oh, shit. What do I do for number four? Cage match. Number four. Okay. Two so credits enter, one credit leave. Damn right. <laughs> After the cage what? match, you may pull from a film that is on your list, six through ten. Normally, you could also pull from an honorable mention, but it looks like we're doing those first. Right. Well, we're doing one of them. We're doing one of them first. We're going to take one the honorable mention first. Yeah, All right. one honorable mention first. So you get to pick one. 
Um, and we also allow two ties amongst them. This year, one of my honorable mentions is a tie, and it's the one I'm going to talk Ooh. about. And and I have one tie in the top five. So, you know, which is like I usually don't have a tie in the top five. So I'm pretty happy about that. So I have six awesome missed movies this year. Um, and uh, so before we, we talked about, and then every, now let's, let's put Godzilla to bed. But honestly, on your list, where would it have fallen? Ooh, one. Um, it would have been one. Someone said one. one. I, I think it would have been one. three or four. Um, uh, Ooh, nice. Three. Probably three. Yeah, I, it would have probably been two for me, maybe one. Uh, so, yeah, we all would have had it in the top five. That's why I was like, eh, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. Uh, we all love that movie. If you haven't seen it, go fucking see it. Go fucking see yes. it yesterday. It Sexy is Witches so good. Approved. Oh, it is it's awesome. unanimous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to start making lists of our unanimous stuff now that this show is ending forever. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good point. If you get all four of us to if you get all four of us to agree on a movie, it's something special. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to. We're, we're gonna, we gotta figure that out right now. But uh, you know, yeah, I don't have to take it to, I don't have to go to Disneyland for a year. It's good. I don't wanna go to Disneyland this next time I go to LA. There's other places I wanna go. You know, yeah, I, I've never been to Hollywood forever. What what yeah. is that? That the magic castle. I've never been there. I wanna go, go there. there too, I've never been. You need an invitation. I have can a standing in? invitation. <laughs> I can get us in. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, but it's overpriced as fuck. But it's really fun. I'm sure it is. We'll we'll sneak flasks in and drink our stuff. We'll drink before we go. Oh yeah, yeah. So (laughs) it's a it's a it's a date. (laughs) Yeah. The other option is we all meet in Orlando and go to Halloween Horror. Why I can't leave this time zone. You can't leave the time zone. Then we can go to the one in Hollywood, but it's not nearly as good. I have been to that one. I can meet you in Vegas. Vegas? Ugh. Really? You, Vegas? you know what's going on right now in Vegas? There's and I we almost go there now. went. <laughs> right, right now is the lar- North America's largest Halloween and party store show. Tuesday, Whoa, Wednesday, is Thursday. that happening now? Oh, my gosh. I came okay. this yeah. close to going. I'm yeah. Saying, yeah. It's a lot had... better. It's a lot better since weed was legalized. I'm just saying. <laughs> Isn't More everything? Options. Yeah, for sure. There are so many fun things there. There are horror things there. So much horror, so much theater, so much film. That's where yeah. I met Ted V. Michaels when he was making the Blood Orgy of the She-Devils sequel, and I got to tour his whole studio. There's a lot of, like, weird, crotchety, old <laughs> horror movie guys that are still making horror out there that started, you know, in the 60s and then got MST3K'd for 10 years. Here, here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, let, let's go ahead and... And yeah, we are allowed. You're still allowed two honorable mentions. We're gonna we're gonna start around. We'll call it a warm up round, and we will okay. do a warm up round 
and and read one of our two honorable mentions. And if you want to bring the other one up later when and talk about it, you have that option. Or you can bring it up one of the lower lists if, if somebody else has, has already chosen your one of your films. So, you know, we've done this before. You can do it with any subject, but movies is the best. So let's get to it. And let's, Raven, go ahead. What is an honorable mention from 2023 you want to talk about? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, let me tell you a little bit about the Greek language. And <laughs> there is a letter called Sigma, and it looks like an S. There is a letter called Lambda, and it is an L, although it looks like an arrow pointing up. There is a letter called Theta, and it looks like an O with a line to it, but it's pronounced T-H. What does that spell? Floth. The sorority in the film Flother House, 2023. And let me tell you, the jokes are myriad as far as the levels go. This is a film about a killer sloth. The sloth is so adorable. It is hilarious. It takes 10 years for that damn sloth to kill anyone. But the jokes, some of them, you got to be kind of smart to get, like learning what their sorority is named in Greek. My goodness, what a joke. Who's going to notice that? Hey, I took Greek and I happened to finish my degree in Greece. That's why I got that. But holy cow, what an amazing visual joke that's like a one percenter. And this film is filled with, even though it's very easy to follow, you know what's going to happen, there's still that kind of depth to it where this was made by some really freaking smart people. It's on Hulu. It's a comedy horror. It knows it's funny, but it's not so self-aware that it gets obnoxious with itself. Uh, just smoke a big bowl, have a six pack, <laughs> check out Slother House. You won't regret it. Honorable mention. Nice. And already our that our list rule. Someone brought up Slaughterhouse. I I I'm, I'm not going to comment. I think my last say enough. So rock out, right? Though a side note, this year we went to Fernbank Museum and they had this whole thing about slow animals, and I actually got to see a Sloth on the ground, get up, oh crawl up the rope, go all the way down to the other end of the paddock to his platform, land on it, grow in a ball and fall asleep. Aww. Nathan thought too. <laughs> we did, and we got back in the uh, the elevator at the end of the day after we'd seen a bunch of stuff, and one of the ladies that worked there was like, did you get to see the sloth? And we were like, yeah, and she's like, what was he doing? And we told her, she's like, damn it, I've been trying for weeks to see that thing moving, and he's uh-huh. always just sitting there. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we, so, you know, there was a lot of silly movies this year. 
But I actually will say it was Slaughterhouse was way better than Five Nights and Freddy's. Way better. For sure. Mm. <laughs> but then again, I think a drill bit to the head might be better than Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, no. I Worked in Frankenhecker. Yeah, nothing. I love Frankenhecker. Anyway, so that's awesome. Anybody else want to say something about Slaughterhouse before we move on? It's on my list of things that I need to watch. Yeah. Okay. Don't forget, and let me know. Let me know. Oh, I will. Yeah, yeah. Three out of four, three out of four sexy witches have seen Slaughterhouse. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, Aaron, you're number two on this round, Robin. What's your honorable mention? Um, You know, I'm going to throw two things, a tie for my thing, but I'm going to be really brief about both. Blue Beetle and The Flash. And Blue yeah. Beetle just missed my list. <laughs> really? I really enjoyed Blue Beetle. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it was obviously pitched at kids. And if you accept it as a kid superhero movie, I think it works great. Um, the Flash, oh, God, I wish I could say more good things about it because I've been looking forward to it. But honestly, there ain't that much there. Um there's some creepy stuff in there, like using Christopher Reeves without asking the family. Uh, I'm not uh, even going to get into the star and their problems. Right. But we did get to see the return of Batman played by Michael Keaton, and he is a joy. And the fact that we don't yet have Batman Beyond with him as cranky old Batman is I, I don't even know where to start with how screwed that up that is or that we're ever going to see him in Batgirl, which got shelved for tax purposes. But um, or, his or Batman... Or when they said him and Kevin Conroy was also up for Batman Beyond as the old costume. He was going to actually play him. Yeah. So I know he did play something. He was in one of the Batman shows. I can't remember right now, but... As the old crotchety Batman. <laughs> like we we need that. He, he's so good. I, I, I can't I recommend so wholeheartedly The Flash, but uh, Michael Keaton's Batman and then um, Cara Zorrell. Yeah. Supergirl was fucking Keaton. awesome. <laughs> Give me a Supergirl movie. Give me a Michael Keaton Batman movie. I would yeah. be more than happy. I will pay you money anyway. for those. Right. I, I like I like the whole baby falling out the window sequence at the beginning. Oh yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Except but those that, were the had, worst uh, fucking CG babies ever. I. Oh yeah. How much no, money no, are no, they saving on taxes, and why don't they spend it on CG? Bad okay. CG babies. It's going to be the name of my band. He microwaved a burrito during that scene. Are we supposed to believe that the microwave was also operating on speed force time? You know, if you're going to actually invest that level, I don't think any of that's going to make you happy. I saw, like I was watching that. I'm like, this is such a cool, this is like the way this is set up is hilarious. But that, that one thing, I was just like, that, 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 Okay, I'm going to try not to pay attention to that, but it just maybe it'll come back in my mind. mind. I don't no, know. Nathan, I have the same thing with the movie X, where 
someone's drinking a carton of milk out of the fridge and it has a missing kid on it. But because I'm oh, yeah, so into true was... crime, I mm-hmm. know that that case, the first case, didn't happen until November of 1984. And right. so I'm like, that milk carton can't exist. And it bothered me so much. It, like, ruined the movie for me. And it's so stupid. Uh, like, no one's going to care. But I cared. And I don't know why I do that sometimes, but I'm just trying to empathize with you. Thank <laughs> like, you. It's just those little things. Sometimes you can't explain. <laughs> sometimes you can't explain why one dumb thing just ruins your experience. I get right? it. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, the, well, the Flash gets an honorable mention. I guess so. I mean, it's part of it. It's, part of it. It's it's a, it's more like it's Michael tragic. Keaton gets honorable mention. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the young lady who did Supergirl. And Supergirl. Yeah. yeah. Supergirl. She was awesome. All right. All right, so Dirty Southern Sorcerer, what's your honorable mention that you begged for and prayed for? I petitioned to be able to do a round of honorable <laughs> mentions mm-hmm. before we actually got to our countdowns because my honorable mention slot goes to a movie I didn't like. Kind of for the same reason that Hitler was Time's Man of the Year. Not because it was good, because it was significant. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to give my honorable mention slot to Skinnamarink. Mm. <laughs> I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. When I was going to have Skinnamarink on it. <laughs> I think it is going to go down as a moment where a movement in horror kind of gelled together and proved why it works in amazingly in five minute YouTube videos, but doesn't work at all as a movie. Um, but like that, it, I want it sat with me. It stayed in my mind, and it didn't go away. And I didn't. It wasn't a fun watch. It was boring. It would have been a really good twenty minute short, and it contained the single best horror scene of the year. But it was also an hour of staring at the wall while played in the background. And there was a line in there that is the line that me and the Haunters have quoted the most this year. But it kind of, it, it was a moment, it sent me down a rabbit hole of analog horror. It, yes, put the knife in your eye. As we say that to each other all the time because <laughs> we're weird. But... It's it's not a good movie. It really isn't, but it feels like it is a significant moment where a horror movement hit its zenith. It's going to go back down, but yeah, I'm giving it to Skinnamarink, even though that movie. You know what, Nathan? I, I mm. think you're right in that this is something that will probably end up on the Criterion channel, much like Herschel Gordon Lewis's stuff has ended up on the Criterion channel. Not because it's good, but because of where it stands in its place in cinema history, something mm-hmm. happened that wasn't happening before in this way. Exactly. Um, and I think those are important markers to note for sure. Yeah. And that's why my honorable mention goes to a movie I don't like. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, fair. Fair enough. Sure. I, I want to piggyback on that one though. There was another analog horror film too this year that got limited release. I went to see it in the theater. It's called Innismen. Um, it's uh, about a British Isle and it's a, a botanist that's taking recordings of a flower. It's so much more than that. Yeah, it is everything that's like it. It's 
I don't know if this is like the end, a peak of a movement that's been happening for a while, or this, and and, and this is the pinnacle of it, or this is the end result, and now we're gonna go back to YouTube and be our four and five minute um, shorts. But it's showing that you know this. It, I don't think these films are really aimed at us. I think they're aimed at the generation behind us. Uh, you know we. we yeah, uh, they, even they lower. Love this thing. <laughs> Maybe you know my my evil genius. They're Gen Z on the low end of Gen Z. You know, early like the you know late end Gen Z, and they they love this stuff. They they were able to give me suggestions on stuff to look at in YouTube. They knew all about it. Um, <laughs> I feel like a generational gap is showing, but I wanted to pick. So I do think there's. Of, uh, some kind of like I think this will be like an era that someone's going to go back and do a documentary maybe 10 years later and say hey you know all this stuff happened <laughs> you know? yeah. so, I just could not in good that. conscience put it on my best of list fair and it has been a little bit easier to digest because there's more people in it but it's still like people standing still and staring at things <laughs> so you know, you know, you know, a lot of repetitive things over and over again. Go check the thing. Turn on the radio. Wash your teeth. You know, mundane tasks over and over again. You know, it's very similar. Yet there, that one's more folk horror and time works with time loops, and we don't really know what Skinner Rink's about. <laughs> I really don't know what either one's about. Uh, to be honest with you. Uh, so, so that is okay. So, oh, it's my turn. I get one. I get one. All right. Okay. Cool. I have a t- my one of my two ties is actually in my honorable mention. And remember how I mentioned earlier that Godzilla with the Fathom events have been dropping it with this Heisei era Godzilla drops they've been doing. Well, they also dropped at the beginning of the year, the very beginning in January. It was the first film released in January of 2023 was Shin Ultraman. And then at the very end of 2023, they dropped Shin Kanan Rider. So the Shin guy, the guy that did Shin Godzilla, did two Shin movies of two other uh, kaiju property. Well, well, Ultraman's a kaiju property. Shin, Cannon Rider is a bug helmet and a rotorcycle. I'm sure you've seen images of that before, right? Oh, yeah. In Japan. Yeah. So, you know, it, in the, 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 I got to go see, well, we watched the Shin Ultraman in the theaters, and that was pretty awesome because um, they also had, like, trivia and all this other stuff. I didn't know there was so many Ultramans in the Heisei era. I was, like, really surprised. Um, and then Shin Kamen Rider uh, was, we watched it, uh, what, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago? Just, that was and just that a was couple a, weeks ago, yeah. And, it, it, and, you know, he mentioned how we've been quitting Skin Marine. we also been quitting Shin Kamen Rider. One of the villains gets a little upset, and he goes, oh, well, I am now salty. I am mad salty. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. yeah. So we've been doing that at each other too. So I am mad salty. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, they're aimed at adults, which is what's interesting about both of these properties, even though they were very much kids' properties when they were new. 
these are a got more gore. Oops, Sin Ultra came uh, in Rider actually had head smooshes and decapitations and blood, 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 you know, all over the place. But it was still Sin came in Rider. Um, so that was kind of fun. So shout out to Fathom Events to releasing things I never thought I would ever see on television or in movies ever. Because, you know, Ultraman, what I was like, how old was I? I it must have early 80s, so I was not even 10 yet when when that stuff came out, uh, when I was watching it. And, and so, I, I, oh my goodness, so long. I'm old. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, let, let me say one, one thing about those two movies for anyone listening. Don't think you need to know those franchises because i had a very passing familiarity with uh ultraman and i had never seen an episode of Kamen rider and i loved both flicks so they, if it don't don't both. Th- oh sorry, uh, go ahead. yeah i was gonna just say don't think that if you are not familiar with these franchises that it's any kind of barrier to you enjoying these flicks because they're they're still a lot of fun Shout factory tv on their streaming app they show ultraman episodes that have been remastered and they look beautiful um and they're free uh shout tv is free you get commercials but they usually are good enough to space them between episodes so it's not like pluto um in that manner so if you want to check anything out without first that might be a good starter place yeah but they got shout tv i got a bone to pick with them we're getting rid of their cult Mm -hmm. channel Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. they got rid of the cult, the cult streaming channel. I know I that was kind of. I, wa- I watched it a lot, actually. Yeah, I so, had it on all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, me too. So. so, all right, Raven, we're back to you, and we are oh. going to go ahead and it's time to do number five. Are you ready? You're going to open <laughs> this can of worms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or uh, there's so, a lot of demon possession this year. Be careful with that, too. A lot of what? Demon possession. There's a lot of demon oh. possession movies this year. Okay. <laughs> I'll look out. <laughs> yeah. This one does not include um, demon possession. Um, my number five <laughs> is Society of the Snow. It is mm. on Netflix. It is a Spanish film. And um, it is about the Uruguayan Flight 571 that was chartered to take a rugby team to Chile, which crashed into a glacier. And um, we know the story best as Americans from the film Alive, but the film Alive was adapted from a book. This was also adapted from a book, but Alive was not the first film version of this story. Now, Alive, which I think came out in 72, really started the media circus surrounding this event because, as we are likely know, um, these people needed to resort to cannibalism. And that's pretty much all I knew about that story growing up. That media circus was still just a living meme. It was joked about all the time, as common as drink the Kool-Aid. There'd be references to, usually, because we're in America, a soccer team and cannibalism. And that's pretty much all we know about it, uh, because they don't talk about it in American schools. Usually, uh, I found about the story on my own. Society of Snow actually worked with 
some of the survivors. Um, and the book was specifically written by one of the survivors. It, oh, wow, it's really touching, even though I think I know exactly kind of what's going to happen. There's so much I didn't know. There's so much I didn't know about how long they were there. Um, you know, they fashioned a radio within three days of crashing. And <laughs> they heard that the search was called off. The movie says after 10 days, but in reality it was seven days. The flight rescue teams flew right over them several times. We could not see them because the fuselage matched the snow and ice. Um, so the things that these people had to choose to survive were groundbreaking. They've never been done before in the history of people surviving things. Um, the pilot died almost immediately, but was able to tell one of the survivors that he thought they were about 13 miles west of where they were supposed to be or rather east. And so the people headed west that um, went out looking for help. Had they gone in the correct direction, which was the other way, they would have found an old abandoned spa hotel um, oh. about 13 miles. But they they went the other direction. Um, and I believe the total was something like 35 miles and it took 10 days. You know, the things that these people went through, um, it's not just, hey, oh, two days later, let's just eat everybody. <laughs> These people knew whether or not they were going to survive in many cases. And in every single case, the people that did not resort to cannibalism did not survive, um, down to 24 hours difference. And um, the acting is so respectful. It's so much more natural than in the film Alive. Um, it's it's really engaging. I, of course, went down a rabbit hole about the story after the film, so I know, like, what was changed for um, the film, but it, it made sense, the reasons they changed things the way they did. But even in this film, the things that these people went through is even harder than the film portrays because the film has to kind of truncate and edit stuff. Um, so it was really touching, and, uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Um, and, yeah, it's, of course, very heavy to watch, but it's also there's something very satisfying because while there's a tragedy, there's also a miracle, and they're happening at the same time. Um, so it's, it's pretty good uh, to see kind of the things that Hollywood did missteps to and really were the reason that this whole media circus was created. And I'm glad that it's been corrected now. You know, like, this is a much more <laughs> true story. So, yeah, get out there. Watch Society of the Snow. Excellent. Um, was it nominated for some uh, a couple Oscars? I believe it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay from the film, and I believe it was uh, from the book. <laughs> and then um, Best uh, Best Foreign Film. Oh yeah, I, I thought I thought I saw it on a, a couple of the lists. So. Yeah, I excellent. think I think the film itself uh, is 
claimed by Argentina. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, set in Uruguay, and then it's in Spanish and Castilian. Excellent. So we move now to the resident uh, fanboy, our warlock of Orange County. What's your number five? Number five, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Menace. Yes. Oh, God. I I I have a love-hate. Oh, right on. I have a love-hate relationship with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on screen. This is far and away my favorite TNMT movie of all time. Um, It's... Also, just a really good um, superhero film. Uh, they get all the tropes right. Uh, they do the the origin story and then throw it away and get on to the adventure. Um, I like the way uh, everything falls into place with the characters. Jackie Chan uh, is just fucking phenomenal. I love the direction that they took with uh, the boy's dad, as it were. Um, and uh, the ending, uh, the, the last shot setting up the sequel is phenomenal. And don't sleep on that soundtrack. Uh, it, it, yeah, not only great. is it fantastic uh, hip-hop uh, selections, but uh, Atticus Ross and um, our, our friend from Nine Inch Nails, uh, I'm blanking. Trent Reznor. Thank you, Trent. Trent and Atticus serve up an amazing score on their own. Go see it. Oh, if you have, um, yes, if you have a I'm fight scene set to Wu Tang, I'm I'm in immediately. Right. Oh my god. Also, gosh. can so I say, TMNT? I you can tell they were inspired a bit from um, the first Spider Verse movie, but. TMNT Mutant Mayhem was everything I wanted the sequel to Across the Spider-Verse to be. Yes. And it wasn't oh. It wasn't at that level. This was the level I wanted that sequel to be. And it, I think that's oh. one of the reasons it's, it's kind of heartbreaking. It didn't get an animated nomination because it was hands down better, I think, in all ways than the Spider-Man sequel. Oh, we might have a disagreement later on. Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see. See, I, we'll I see. agree that in a year that had a lot of really good animated uh, superhero stuff, Spider-Verse was good. Uh, Batman, the doom that came to Gotham was pretty dope. Teenage Mutant Ninja mm. Turtles was the best animated superhero movie. Hands down, so. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And, and everything about it was so on point, the throwback uh, yeah. animation, uh, the, 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 the time, audience. The, the editing, the kinetic energy that the whole piece had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it felt like, you know, going back to the old school comic book where, where April O'Neil yeah. was a, a computer analyst, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 I watched it in its entirety twice in a row. And then I, um, I also on New Year's Eve. That was the movie that Levy and I watched together as we watched. It was on the New Year, so uh, oh, nice. so I have a very fond place in my heart for that movie. So, 
So, but before I get to my number five, Nathan, you must have a number five. You know what your number six is, so yep. awesome. <laughs> I, I do, in fact, have a number five. And it's a movie I've uh, – I don't know why I haven't heard more buzz for it because it was an outstanding movie called Candyland. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, Candyland, it, it's the story of um, a bunch of lot lizards, <laughs> a bunch of truck stop hookers, and someone ends up, you know, killing the hookers. And you have to – and it's, a, you know, a body count movie. But the thing that gets me about this one is if I were giving an award for best ensemble cast, this would get it this year. Like the, this group, you get the feeling that they actually care about each other. And the chemistry between these actors and actresses is just fucking phenomenal, which means you care about these characters. And when they start getting killed, you, it actually kind of affects you. It's, you know, there's, it, you have the slasher movies where you're like, yeah, fucking get them. And then you have the ones where you actually kind of give a shit about the characters. And in this one, I found these characters so likable that the slasher aspect of it became that much more effective. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was a, done by a guy named John Swab. He wrote and directed it. I'm not familiar with any of the rest of his work. But based on the quality of this movie, I'm going to seek out all the rest of his stuff because this, the Candyland was outstanding. Added it to my queue. I I saw one of his films. I saw Let Me Make You a Martyr. and it's on Hoopla, so if you have your library card, you can check it out. Okay, what do you think of it? It's a, a revenge film, and it's it's kind of cerebral. It was about um, two adopted siblings who fall in love and then create a plan to kill their abusive father, you know, like you do. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. But yeah, can't, I'll have to check that out. But yeah, definitely check out Candyland. I will. Uh, Candyland is nice. it, 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 it. You gotta give be a little patient with it. But yeah, all the characters are very interesting and likable. And it's not real. I I don't really think a slasher is the right thing to call this movie. There is a murderer, but there's also a lot of other stuff going on because you know it's not easy to be a lounge lizard on the edge of a. But it's not a nice thing necessarily, or it, it might be a nice thing, but it's a rough lifestyle, at least in this movie. <laughs> um, but uh, it didn't make my, it would have made, it would have made my top 20. I don't think it would have made my top, it didn't make my top 10, but it would have made my top 20. That's the thing about the performances. It's not an easy lifestyle, but they, like everyone yeah. in that, and everyone in that movie Kind of, that plays part of that cast really hits that world weary, but softened by what they've been through and form mm-hmm. bonds with each other type of thing. They're almost like a group of war buddies, you know. And the, and the way the way that they relate to each other is so natural and believable that they, that's what really elevates this flick. It, nice. it was kind of this year's Speak No Evil. It's a really well done film. 
but it's really tough to get through and don't expect any it to have a, a happy ending. <laughs> you know, this is not going to happen. So, uh, you know, it, it's just to be prepared. That's what I say about Candyland. It's good. So, right um, my five is actually the same as, as, as uh, Aaron's five. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, but I actually tied it and I, it, it, number five with Spider-Verse because they were the two best animated films I saw this year. And honestly, yeah, I actually lean towards, I think Raven's correct. I lean towards Ninja Turtles a little bit more. Um, I, I think that I, I love that movie just a tad bit more than across the Spider-Verse, but there's no denying the artistry and the talent Mm -hmm. and research that went into that film. I mean, sure. it is astonishing. Like, I, I, I am not a Marvel fan, but I am a Spider-Man fan, and I remember a lot of like, like one or two round season episodes of Saturday morning cartoons in my '80s Gen X brain, right? And there would be, mm-hmm. there was, <laughs> you know, it was like, whoa. Like they just everything you could possibly think of was there, uh, you know. And they somebody did a count. What was it? Do, do, I I I actually wrote it down. And it was, what, what was it like? Four thousand different variants of Spider-Man. Or it was something? something like that. It it it's definitely yeah. up there on most blink and you miss it cameos per second. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and um, the vulture was one of the most beautiful designs I'd seen in a long time. That whole sequence yeah. with him and Gwen was beautiful. That, so, that particular uh, scene and the way they mixed the art styles, I mean, that, that was my favorite part of the whole movie was that scene. Mm. Uh, I, I and and I and honestly, it made me even though it's not nearly as good as the first movie, which I saw in 3D in the theaters and was absolutely just floored by the original um, Spider-Verse movie, but I, I am totally on board for the third film. Like, like I think we're all going to go. So oh, I, yeah. do just, I do think it deserves the, um, my, to be on my top ten. Now, does it deserve the Oscar? Not sure. I honestly think Ninja Turtles should have been on the list. I haven't yeah. seen one of the films on the animated feature list, and I need to go correct that. The other ones I have. And, you know, Nimona I liked more than Spider-Verse also. Uh, you know, so there's, mm-hmm. there's, I, but I still think it was so worth my time, and it's beautiful, and, and it, and my, and it was my evil genius, and that was their favorite film of the year. Mine too. Number one. Nice. Mm. Yes, I need well, a new number one. <laughs> you got number well, one. You know, I could talk about, you know, the BAFTA nominations, the Critics' Choice that it won. I could talk about Comic Book Resources, naming it Best Superhero Film of the Year. But I'll let this one pass. No, no, this is when you talk, this is when you talk um, about it, because, yes. Dude, it's your number one, talk it up. Yeah. It's my yeah. number one. Um, I thought it was uh, 
just as good as the first one, and I fucking loved the first one. And once again, everyone behind it clearly loves the comic books. And again, it's just so amazing to see page to screen like that, to catch all the little references, uh, also to to previous Spider-Man films, but to the books itself. That's just a joy. And um, I I love that they started out with Gwen. I I love that we focus on Gwen at the beginning of the film before going to Miles, who once again, one of the best Spider-Man of all times, obviously. And yeah, they're like, like y'all were were saying, there are so many little bits in there that I'm going to be watching this one again and again and again. Uh, The little thing with the meme of the Spider-Men pointing at each other was just so fun and silly. And I don't know how you can explain that to someone who isn't, you know, into the comic book culture and memes and stuff. I I don't think they'd get it. I think it would just go right over their heads. But there's so much other stuff in the film that, that I know I'm going to be watching this one again and again. And I honestly think that come the third film, this has a, a shot at being the best superhero trilogy ever done. Oh, honestly. yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking double dinosaurs that. in the movie. Right? Spider T-Rex, you know? Spider T-Rex! I'm not even going to talk about Peter Porker, the amazing Spider-Ham. I'm not mentioning him in this conversation. Oh, we need more of him, though. Oh, we will. We will in number three. I know, I know. No, I love Gwen Stacy. And the shot of them talking to each other upside down with the yep. cityscape below was so beautiful. Like, Gorgeous. So beautiful. Gorgeous fucking film. With New New York as, I mean, everyone makes the, the, it's a cliche at this point, everyone talking about, oh, the city is a character. But goddamn ain't New York a character in this one. Yeah. The way they're constantly looking and longing for the city. Oh, just amazing. Excellent. So, so that, that made my number five. So we'll move on to number four. And that brings us back to Raven. Raven, (laughs) What do you do at number four? Well, look, I've already screwed up royally because my number five was a tie. What do I do? Do I mention my tie and then move on to four or what? Make number, make it, number four your tie. Yeah, but it's not correct. <laughs> then, then make, it a, make it a 4A and 4B tie. Break the rules. Four. Rules are made Even to be broken. Rebel. Fuck the rules. Oh, Iconoclast, yeah, do it. Oh my gosh, I, Liz! All you are is white noise. Like it's so, it's it's at this weird decibel that it just sounds like a weird Charlie Brown adult. That was kind of the point. I was being chaotic and oh no, why is this awful? Huh? Anyway, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> all right. Little I'll Mr. Bill in you. All right. Also low, slow, and sexy. That's what my original radio teacher taught us to do. Mm-hmm. So, NPR, wow. yeah. welcome. <laughs> uh, so let me just throw out my tie because I don't have too much to say about it. Uh, this was for number five. Sorry, I ruined everything. Uh, the film is called Beyond Utopia. Uh, we have a lady director. What's up, Madeline Gavin? 
And the film is a documentary about this underground network created by a pastor in South Korea that helps rescue um, North Korean families that have been either accused of being spies or are trying to defect to South Korea for, um, you know, staying alive reasons. And it is so gripping. I watched an interview with Madeline Gavin today on YouTube, and the original film she was going to make was not what ended up happening. And what this project is is so important because there are people in North Korea that do not want to be there that have no way to get the fuck out. And this is just one person who's trying to help, and it makes such a huge difference in these people's lives, but it's so sad because you know how infrequent that help has to be due to trying to keep the pastor safe. Uh, so Beyond Utopia is the name of it. I highly recommend it. If you want to get your documentary on and um, you know learn some things on the way, that's a great choice. Now, my number four, almost a silent film. Ooh, but it um, there is some dialogue, but it's very infrequent. What's really important is the lead actress, the score, and the visuals. The film is on Hulu, and it is called No One Will Save You. Glad my favorite home invasion film now tell you that um so this is i really relate to the main character so really no dialogue for a long time so if you want something in the background it's not a good choice because you've got to be paying attention um and this actress is playing someone who is a homebody she has a ton of anxiety and Everyone in town hates her, and she's got kind of this little farmhouse on the outskirts of town when a home invasion starts. And this is done entirely with visuals and pretty much one actress. There are other people in town you'll see at the beginning and end, but she has to carry the whole film, and boy, does she do it. Um, her right. name is Caitlin Dever, and I really hope we start seeing her and more stuff. She's perfect for horror and thriller, and I think she'd be great in, you know, A24 slash Greta Gerwig type things. <laughs> this, the music choice is really cool. Um, I think it's kind of best going in blind. I don't really want to talk about the other layers of horror that are here because the, it encompasses many subgenres of horror. But the main thing to know is that it's a home invasion film um, that I didn't see coming. And there, uh, I can predict so many, so many films. And I had hopes um, for some of my predictions. Some of them came true. But overall, it was really going down a route that I didn't even care to try to figure out. I was just enjoying wow. how pleasant it is. So, uh, yeah, really high on my list um, of films for the year. 
No One Will Save You on Hulu. Please check it out. I was talking to the Hauntress earlier before we went on the air about extended lists and how there's a lot of movies that I hoped would come up that didn't make my top 10 but would absolutely have made a top 20. And this was one of the movies I brought up. So I'm really oh, glad nice. you brought it up because it was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I'm I probably need a physical copy. My formula works, Nathan. I've been doing this a minute. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that <laughs> one came up. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I enjoy that movie, and uh, one of my friends, it, the, the the home invasion part of it, those particular creatures scare the shit out of her and she won't watch the movie. Oh, wow. She won't, okay. she won't do it. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I watched it alone at night. As it was great. Highly recommend doing yeah. it that way. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm going to at some point make them watch it because they yeah. have to see it. I, I got to do them for them. It is so, an exercise yeah. in how to masterfully create tension. In a movie. For sure. Yeah, thriller. It's much more thriller than horror, but it's definitely still horror. All right, Aaron, you are number four. What is your number four? My number four is a horror comedy anthology mm. called Satanic Hispanics. Oh, <laughs> ah, yeah. I'm I'd be somewhere. I won't talk too much about it because we've talked about it on the show before. I was lucky enough uh, to go to a screening at the Frida uh, with a couple of the directors, and uh, I actually saw them again recently at a signing at Dark Delicacies where I bought a a copy on Blu-ray for uh, Natalie and myself, and I got one autographed for uh, a prize at this year's Halloween party. I liked it that much. And uh, as I said before, anthologies are kind of hard to do, especially when you're shifting back and forth between horror and horror comedy. But uh, the horror comedy is really good here. And uh, the straight horror is pretty fucking creepy, yo. And uh, I'm, it's one that I know I'm going to watch again and again and enjoy. Oh, and when I went to the signing, uh, I asked if I could buy one of the, the big, beautiful official most uh, movie posters, but those were for friends. So they, they ended up giving me a T-shirt, and they, they wrote on the T-shirt uh, right above where it says Satanic Hispanics. They wrote Friend of Satanic Hispanics. Nice. So I'm going to proudly wear that to my next horror convention. <laughs> and so that anytime someone gives GG work is is a win. So yay, you know, awesome. I, we saw it recently ourselves. Um, it's pretty fun. I enjoyed that movie. So um, anthology. Eh, there was really not a, a a bad one in the group. They were all pretty good. The one with the vampires was maybe the weakest one of the bit, and I still enjoyed it. And the lead-up line into it, the, the, uh, for those who haven't seen it out in our radio blog land, there's a wraparound uh, bit uh, that bookends it and pops in occasionally. And uh, I, I won't give too much detail about that because it's pretty fucking good uh, in and of itself, apart from the other stories. 
but there's a lead in line to the vampire story that is my favorite fucking line reading in the whole thing. Oh, you bet your ass this is a fucking vampire story. And then we go right into it. And that that's kind of what the thing's about. It, it, it's mostly tongue-in-cheek, but there are some pretty creepy horror shit thing in there. The the one cosmic horror thing with uh, the isolated dude and his Rubik's Cubes and all that is kind of fucking creepy, yo. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. That was good. Yeah. I like that one. That one, that one works on you. Cool. So, what about you, dirty southern sorcerer? What's your number four? Um, there's a certain insane balls to the wall, just absolutely bonkers energy that you don't get in movies a lot these days. But you got a lot in like the late '80s, early '90s. It's a certain feel. And when I saw the credit come up that this movie was filmed in Cthulhu scope. I had a feeling it was going to reach those levels. Excellent. And it's, it's Joe Lynch's movie, Suitable Flesh. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, it's, it's, it's based on the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft uh, story, The Thing on the Doorstep. And this movie mm. is so much – it's one of the most fun movies that I saw this year. And it's anchored by two absolute bangers of performances, one by Heather Graham. And her, her performance is tied, in my mind, with one from a movie I'm pretty sure will come up later as best horror performance of the year. And also Barbara Crampton is great in it, but she's great in everything. But Love her. This, this movie is just, it's hilarious. It has maybe my favorite kill of the year in it. Um, it's just... It's a lot of fun. Fun is the number one thing I would describe this movie as. Um, yeah, and I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away, but watch Suitable Flesh. This movie's great. Nice. Raven, yeah. you said something? Oh, I said it's you on my queue. Something? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah. It's no, in my queue. I've seen it. Um, and... Uh, it's actually very, very well done. Uh, it would probably be, it, it'd probably be in my top 15, um, somewhere in there. Uh, it does have the best, one of the funniest kills of the year. Oh, my God. It is so good. Um, and, and I've noticed other people have had it on their list of, like, of best kills this year. So I'm hoping that um, the Chainsaw Award remembers that <laughs> this year. We might have to do a writing campaign. So watch it just for that and nothing else. But uh, I haven't seen Heather Graham in a minute, and here she was. Yeah. Throwing it down. So, you know, just doing doing a bang of a job. If Heather Graham wants to do, like, a career resurgence as a B-movie scream queen, I am absolutely here for it. Here, here. <laughs> so, excellent. My, um. Let's see. Is it my turn? Okay, cool, because we, we, we're at 1040, so ooh, we still have a little time. I've had some time. But, um, so my movie is also very female-centric and has to do with mad scientists, like um, Suitable Flesh. But in this case, um, not so much on the fun side. Um, actually, probably rather one of the most disturbing films I saw this year, 
Yeah, it has absolutely the two best female performances, I thought, in horror this year. And that was a movie called Birth Rebirth. Um, it's it's like a, yeah, I know. Yep. It's so fucking good, isn't it, Raven? Like, it's, it's great. So fucking yeah. good. I had it at number um, three. Yeah, it, it is absolutely a stunning movie. I mean, it is small, it's quiet. It's not a, like in your face horror. It's very, very, very. It, it it's almost soothing and it's terrifying at the same time. And the performances right. are just incredible all through it. Um, and it almost feels plausible, which I think what makes it even right. scarier. Uh, so I just, I just loved every minute of it. Um, people have been equating it with a Frankenstein story and yeah, I can see Mm. that, but it's really not, um, it's, it's it's not really about that per se. Um, you know, the, and it has the saddest, one of the saddest animal deaths in in the movie Mm. this year. Mm -hmm. I was so sad. Yeah, that part <laughs> no. sucked. Oh, that part's so effective. I still want that. We know we have we're squeamish about animal kills. This one's got a big, a big one in it, but uh, not the worst one I've seen this year. Um, that actually is at the top of my list. Uh, so, uh, but we'll get back to that later. But Birth Three Birth is if you haven't seen it, it's on Shutter right now. It is so so good. And and it's at my number four. And you, where is it on your list, Raven? Um, I think it's number six. I'm not in front of my list right now. Oh wow! It's number okay. six, and, I'll double and it's Nathan's number three. I had it at number three. And when I said that Heather Graham and Suitable Flesh was tied for the best horror performance this year, the tie was um, Marin Ireland, who plays Rose in this movie. Absolutely mm. amazing. Okay. Yeah, no, it's good. Oh, uh, and, uh, 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 Warlock of Orange County, your your um, significant other will absolutely adore this movie. Right okay. on. It, it's on the list. Yeah. Um, let's see, Birth Rebirth. I have uh, it between May, December, and American Fiction on things I need to see. <laughs> That's an interesting yeah, triple feature. The list makes no sense. The list makes absolutely no sense of what list. I have to go see. <laughs> oh, my God. We have watch lists. We have, our watch lists go into branches of watch lists. We have, like, like pages with just shark movies, pages with ninja movies, and, and ah. then there's, like, there's new releases. Uh, <laughs> things that we've watched haven't been crossed out. Wait a minute. We saw those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we forgot we watched the movies. Uh, you know, which is, anyway. Um, so uh, where are we? Oh, is that everyone? Did we all do it? Yes. So we're at three, right? Three. Three. Yeah. Three. Three is a magic number. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the woman had a little baby. Number yeah. three. Number three. Baby. Why don't we go to yeah. Australia? Oh, my God. Everyone's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Talk. Yes, talking. That makes me think of... Talk to me. Talk to me. Oh, okay. Talk to me. All right. Talk, talk to me talk is to my me. number three. That's an Australian horror. And um, 
there's a girl who loses her mom, and this is kind of a, about teens, but I wouldn't call it a teen movie um, per se. And this group of friends figure out how to conjure spirits with an embalmed hand, and they start getting hooked on the high it gives them uh, to be possessed by spirits. And it's like, you know, doing whippets is what these montages of them become. Uh, Just hanging out in a room all day, touching an embalmed hand, getting high after (laughs) getting high from being possessed, like you do, for a little bit at a time. Um, But, of course, it's got to get out of hand, as it were. Um, And someone goes (laughs) a little too far. And it starts getting <laughs> super scary. And uh, I really didn't think I'd get as hooked to this as I did. It's really engrossing, and it sucked me in, like, immediately. There's great music. There's great acting. But the visuals and how they present um, what's going on in basically one room and one prop is pretty impressive. Uh, so I don't, I don't think it's on any major streaming things right now. I think you still got to rent or see it in the. I don't know if it's in the theater anymore, but um, it is well worth renting for sure. It's something I would probably purchase as well. And I'm assuming hmm. it's somewhere on one of your lists. I had that one as a tie with another movie at number seven. We 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 actually went when I saw that movie. We went to the drive-in and saw a double feature of Talk to Me and Barbie, which was a weird Amazing. mix. Oh. Great, that's crazy. But my my <laughs> thing my thing about what impressed me about Talk to Me was it's it's very rare that I see a movie where I see teenagers acting like what teenagers actually act like. Word. Like they came across yeah. as like. If me and my buddies had found a hand that could do that when we were in high school, right. that's exactly what we would it's have been doing. It's very believable. It's very yeah. believable. Like this hyper focus on one thing, like maybe it's a GameCube, maybe it's an involved hand, but you're just spending all your time around it doing nothing and then waiting for your turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, these, these are some of the most believable cinematic teenagers I've seen yeah, forever. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Awesome. Yeah, it, it did work as a surprisingly good double feature. I don't know why, but it did. It, yeah. it complemented each other quite well. Um, it, it got just bumped out of my top ten. It's number one. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, but but I would say independent budget because it had a non-existent budget. Yeah, it's probably like thirty-four million best, dollars or something. Yeah, uh, it's the best film of the year. Based on that, I mean, it was, it is, there's money here. There is. There's oh, I see. Coming. So, Their budget was you know, $4.5 million, and the box office was $92 million. Yeah, no. <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, they it was kicked ass. Yeah, Way to go, A24. <laughs> a lot of people were like, you know, Oppenheimer and Barbie, and then 
right behind it was Dr. B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Dr. You know, so uh, it, it was a kind of a surprise. That was the sleeper hit of the summer. Um, there was a sequel coming, so it couldn't happen to a better film. It was it was fun. It was a good movie. So I want to see it again, actually. So um, where are we at now? We're at Nathan. Oh, no. No. Sorry, Aaron. You're up. Uh, my number three is Sizu. And, uh, oh, the, the nice. movie. Natalie had the best wrap up line after we watched it. She said, This is for people who need their fix of Quentin Tarantino and can't get it. And, uh, it's, it's action thriller and it's, uh, set in the waning days of World War II. The Nazis are getting their asses kicked, and uh, this is of the genre of the who is that guy <laughs> action film. <laughs> and there is so much ass kicked in this film. There are so many creative kills and stunts and gags. Uh, it's just a hell of a lot of fucking fun. Who doesn't like to see Nazis butchered horribly? Here, here. So yeah, uh, love the film uh, again. Uh, even though the kills are spectacular, um, I think it's probably going to stand up to multiple v- viewings, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, same director who gave us uh, Rare Exports, uh, also set really in, uh, the, the fin. Oh yeah, yeah. And I didn't fact, know that. Um, yeah, the uh, the one uh, the one. Nazi youth who's got like part of his face gone when he lifts off his helmet was actually the kid from Rare Exports. Huh. And now nice. he's grown up a little. Yeah. Excellent. Very fun movie. I like the punching. I, I was like, if, if there weren't Nazis being punched, I thought I was I was getting anxious because I was like, that's all I want to see. And then they, he did it. And that was good. Actually, what impressed me, and once again, the sec one of the second saddest animal deaths in a movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was, was no, you're right. I forgot about that until you mentioned it. Oh, there were so many sad animal deaths this year. <laughs> 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 I didn't even think about it. Yeah, no, the animals got they, this. Is you know, sometimes there's a like it always goes in waves. Sometimes the animal lives. Sometimes the animals die. We're in this animal die period. Mm. You know, and then, uh, it must be because everyone's still depressed from COVID pandemic and other things. So, um, what's where are you at? And number three was you actually can I think your number three was taken, Nathan, and now you so you can grab some lower on the list. Yes, my number three was was birth rebirth, which you already talked about. So since we brought mm-hmm. up talk to me, I think I'm going to talk about the movie that I had talk to me tied with. At number seven, and that's a movie called My Animal. Um, oh, I don't know that. Oh, it's it's good. So werewolf, lycanthropy, has when it comes to movies uh, with female protagonists, has often been used as a metaphor for coming of age. It's often been used as a metaphor for emerging sexuality, and it's also all been used as a werewolves are often used as queer coding, and yes. this has all three. 
It's right. it's a it's oh. a coming of age story. I usually really hate coming of age movies, but this one is all about it's in a very small Alaskan town. This girl who she's a a hockey player. She's at the rink one day and sees this alluring figure skater in there that she's never seen before. And there's a budding love affair. And but there's complications when there's a full moon, if you know what I'm saying. And it's it's a small movie with a small cast, but big feelings. It's it really Mm. gets across what it's trying to say, and it's. It's really intense in its characterizations. So My Animal is absolutely a great flick. Go see it. Or not go see it, but watch it. I'm not sure where it's available to stream. I don't remember where we saw it, but, yeah, I really dug that one. And I tied it with um, Talk to Me because they were two movies that actually had believable teenagers this year. Hmm. Yeah, My Animal is awesome. I actually don't know where we saw it. <laughs> also, once you while I bring up my number three, why don't you look it up? Because my number three, though, um, this one's a divisive one, and because some people really don't like the CG monster at the end, I think uh... it's fine, and, and it doesn't take away from the movie. Um, but what I I love like fairy tales type horror and this one kind of knocked my socks off when I watched it. I had so much fun. It reminded me of like um like a grim fairy tale. Um and mm. and also never it, you know, if your father is Anthony Starr, just just give up. Just 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 do it. Don't don't it's it's never good to have Homelander as your father. Never. And the movie is called Cobweb, um, and it is it is so good. Uh, it's there's my favorite child performance of the year, and it was actually a really strong year for child performances. There was a lot of really good ones. I didn't even like The Boogeyman, but the kid in it was really good in that movie. Um, there, I saw those movies back to back. This one I liked more. Um, Lizzie Kaplan stars in it with Anthony Starr and their son, uh, and they have a son, and there's a secret in their house. They can, and he keeps hearing things, and things are weird, and they keep telling him it's all in your head because, you know, good parenting. And uh, <laughs> and then it goes from there. Um, I really enjoyed this film a lot. I, I rooted for this character. The choices they make are sometimes jaw-dropping. Um it is. I I I'm also a huge fan of Lizzie Kaplan. Like I I am unapologetically love her, uh, and she's great in this movie. Um, so um, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. I don't remember where I saw it, <laughs> but Cobweb, yes, watch it. So I don't remember. It's it's a it's a it's a a, a, a debut movie too. It's a new director, so I can't wait. I think his name was his name. Samuel Bowden, um, and let's hopefully we'll see more from this guy. That movie made me so fucking mad. <laughs> oh, it's on Hulu. It's so oh, it's Hulu? damn. Okay. It is yeah. so damn good until that terrible CGI monster. And it just, if, the, if the movie hadn't been as good as it was, I wouldn't have been as pissed off at the bad CGI monster. <laughs> but it's only one shot. It's literally one shot. 
One yeah, shot. It, there's there's, a, there's a couple, and, but it is so <laughs> it is so good until that happens, and it just oh it. it I I, I mm. think it still works better than the vampire and Demeter, which would have worked better if they allowed them to not rotoscope the fucking suit. So uh, you know, <laughs> the voice of Demeter uh, that 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 character was CGI'd. Even, but they actually did hire a, a, a contortionist to do that part and wear a suit and the whole bit, um, and yet they never used any of it. They just CG'd over it. What the hell is that about, right? You know. There was that was well, one, actually. That was, I, I'm sorry. I I'm was sorry. You say, go. That, that was just one quick comment. That was one of the problems. That was a thing with movies overall this year. There were quite a few really good movies taken down a peg by bad CGI. Hmm. Um, I, I was lucky enough to go to a showing with the director and some of the producers of Voyage oh, of the really? Demeter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, oh Demeter. Um, okay, but Todd went, I mean, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, and, and they said uh, only some of it was CG, uh, all, all the flying stuff, obviously. Uh, but the other stuff, they actually did use uh, the actor in the suit. Well, it could have done – most of that movie works. Not all of it works. I, I wish it worked better. I was my most anticipated film last year, and it ended up being one of my most disappointing. Uh, oh. So I was very sad. Anyway, I move on. We are now – I did my number three. Ooh, Raven, number two. What's your penultimate? What's the penultimate? Number two. Well, let me tell you, you're talking about quotes. This is a good one you could add to your repertoire. I must go punch that baby, which, of course, (laughs) is from the film Poor Things. And I have to say, normally I try to steer clear of the actual Oscar nominations unless they really, really hit me, because we always spend time talking about the nominations in the beginning. But this one, um, just like had sex with my heart and then gave me a little baby that I loved. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, that is it, an incredible it pre- review. <laughs> it presents itself initially as a Bride of Frankenstein type tale. We have Willem Dafoe as an unorthodox scientist who reanimates Emma Stone um, who committed suicide while pregnant. Her brain was not viable, so her baby's brain is what gets put in her head. So as she's learning to human, she starts as a child. And um, the whole thing isn't Bride of Frankenstein-y, but, like, this is how we open. And um, it's a very kind of gothic tale sort of... Um, platform for us to spring off of and then we start going places. Mark Ruffalo plays um, a debauched lawyer who's going on like um, around the world in 80 days and Emma Stone whose brain is just starting to maybe figure out how to human decides to go away with him and Willem Dafoe can no longer keep her in the house, but she knows nothing about quote, polite society. Um, 
nor really how to human. <laughs> this is how we get such great lines as I must go punch that baby. Um, <laughs> there's so much humor in it. Um, there's a lot of naked Emma Stone in it. That's always a plus. And yeah. it's done in just a really creative way. It's beautiful to look at. Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo are both affecting British accents. I always yeah. try to tear apart accents, but they are so consistent. There was nothing to tear apart. Um, the screenplay, one of the screenwriters is uh, Tony McNamara, and he's done um, a lot. Uh, he's from Australia, but he's done a lot of theater work as well as um, as, as film. He also did the screenplay for Cruella and the TV series The Great. He was a writer for the theater play within the great. He also wrote the favorite. Like he's he's a heavy hitter here. Everyone is a heavy hitter. Damn. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So you know, it's not just any old Joe. (laughs) It's any old Tony. And um, it it's kind of fantastical in the. Darren Munchausen type way where you like, you don't know what fresh hell is coming up next, but you know, it's going to be pretty to look at and it's going to be weird as fuck. Um, <laughs> just absolutely gorgeous. Like uh, see the biggest screen, see it on the biggest screen you possibly can and just enjoy all the weird beauty and horror of trying to be a goddamn human. And right I, I, I'm so regretting that I haven't seen it yet. I really, really that, that's 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 at the top of my last year movies I didn't catch last year that I really want to see list. Yeah, I'm really um, excited to hear what you think. I think you'll love it. Yeah, no, it came out that it, it just it's not really available yet, and we haven't been able to go to the theaters yet this year that much. So, okay. Goddamn COVID. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had COVID at the top mm. of the air. Sucked. Anyway, we're not talking about COVID. Um, because, Aaron, you have to bring your in your number two, and we're getting we're at the last half hour, so go for it. Uh, my number two is Barbie, and <laughs> I don't know what Hi, else Barbie. to say about it. My number six. Uh, my number eight. Right on. It's just uh, – it it's – it manages to hit a sweet spot between being an important issue film, whatever the fuck that is, and just being so fucking entertaining. And the journey is so much fun to watch, and the actors are great. And there's so many fun little bits from uh, other Barbies and Kens that are, are worth going back for. <laughs> Um, I I loved everything about this movie pretty much, and uh, fuck the Academy again. Did I say that before? Fuck the Academy. Oh, but you know, yeah. it, it it got production design and costumes, which it absolutely 100% deserved. And I don't if, yep. if the production designer doesn't win for that movie, I will be really really surprised. So there was it, a it easily should have had best director. 
there was a worldwide shortage of the color pink in paint because <laughs> yeah. of this movie. <laughs> you know, I've seen, I, I don't I've seen go pictures on. that my friends took at Dragon Con this year of just giant mobs of Barbies. <laughs> yes. they're all, and they're all saying hi to each other as they walk past. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's the yeah. best. Yeah, no, I, I lost track of how many. Uh, cowgirl Barbies. I took pictures of at cons this year. I, 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 I literally couldn't give I'm you a round it. number. If you spotted me 10, I would probably not get it anyway. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here, but uh, Steven Spielberg didn't call Greta and say thank you for saving movies uh, like he did Tom Cruise. And you know what? She fucking, the whole team behind Barbie fucking saved movies by bringing people in and the whole Barbenheimer thing we've talked about before, but you know, everyone's lavishing it on Oppenheimer and kind of ignoring Barbie. Um, Friend of the show, uh, Jason Trost was doing an ask me anything while he was uh, doing special effects on his latest movie. And um, so I asked him no nomination for Greta. What the hell? And he wrote back, Almost like the Oscars are run by a bunch of out of touch men. And I think mm. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> There's a great meme going around right now in the, uh, the wrestling fan circles where it's from a, a uh, morning show where John Cena was being interviewed. And this little byline at the bottom does not say 15 time WWE champion. It says mermaid Ken from Barbie. <laughs> Excellent. Is it true that he said, put me anywhere in the movie, and that's what they decided to do with him? I, think I, I, read I, that do, I, I don't know, but if they did, they used him perfectly. Yes, they did. Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm so, you know, it's funny because Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer is continuing because now there's going to be this, this whole battle of the, the best picture, right? Even though Oppenheimer is probably going to be the one to pull it out. Um, I got you but... 20 bucks. 20 bucks says Jimmy Kimmel does something Barbenheimer in the opening monologue. Well, I mean, you got it, right? I mean, yeah, was, you got it. I mean, you know, well, there, like, we almost, there was a, a, a SAG and a Writers Guild Award uh, a, a ticket line, right? Strike. At the same yeah. time, Barbie and Oppenheimer were the last releases before it got truly uh, to be an issue when it came to marketing and it was absolutely some of the best marketing you could ask for ever. Like not even just the, the meme part, the whole thing, even the, the planned stuff. And there was that show on, on, on Max about building your own Barbie dream house competition. I mean, they just oh, they yeah. were nailing the marketing like all, all they had to do was put Margot Robbie in a vintage outfit and point. You know, <laughs> that was it. You yep. know, they, 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 they were, they were. It was, it, 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 it was kind of old school that way, right? It was, it was just like this is how it used to be done. It was kind of fun to see. Uh, maybe it'd be the. It, I don't know if we'll get anything like that ever again. So I give Barbie a lot of credit for that, and it got people out in droves to go see the movies in the theaters. Oh my God. So good. That's also, worth it. 
the the if you want to make that point, Margot Robbie is not who you cast. Is ma- maybe my favorite yeah. fourth wall break in forever. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yes. That was fucking hilarious. All right, so that Barbie, uh, so Nathan, what's your number two? Okay, um, I know for a fact my number two is going to come up as someone else on someone else's list, so I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to do the top the, real quick the tie I had at number ten, and that's this is simply there's not there's nothing connecting them. It's just they were my numbers ten and eleven on this list, and I wanted to mention them both. One is Saw X. Um, yes, mm. I know Saw is super cheesy, but you know what? I have a soft spot for that series because for for a long time there, that was my tradition was to go see the new Saw movie on the afternoon of Halloween uh, before I went out partying for the night. So I have a soft spot for it, and Saw X is the best one since Part Three, which is the best of the yeah. series. So Correct. it's it was absolutely you know, way better than it had any reason to be. Uh, it hopped off and on my list, Nathan. I don't feel too bad. <laughs> nice. Uh, the other one is Malum, which, if you remember a movie called Last Shift from 2014, it was about a, a cop who is yeah. al- alone in the last shift um, at a police station and is besieged. But they basically did an Evil Dead 2 with it, where they got a budget, so it was like, okay, we're just going to remake that movie bigger and better and crazier. That's basically what Malum is. It's the story of one police officer at a newly decommissioned police station, staying there at you know overnight shift, and a cult besieges the place, and the besieged police off uh, police station is a, a tried and true horror trope. But this is the best it's been done since The Void. So Malum is awesome. How do you spell that? M A L U M. Okay. Good. Also, it's another good. super strong performance by a female lead, which is a running thing this year. Nice. I've added oh, it to my list. Already in my queue. I just forgot. <laughs> awesome. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, my number two is my most mainstream hit on this list. Um, it also, and that it's still in my top 10, even to this point, I actually didn't think it was going to make my top 10, let alone number two on my list, but here we are. Um, the film I saw twice in the theaters and then a third time when the R-rated version came out, and we are talking about Megan. Um, I adore <laughs> fucking Megan. Megan is so much fun. Megan is a great film in for for so many reasons. It's all popcorn, yet it has a little bit to say about families and and you know I always like movies that start with a major loss and then they have to learn to persevere over the obstacle. And boy, is Megan an awesome obstacle. The girl, what, I can't think of her name right now, but the girl that plays Megan, she does an absolutely amazing job. She's a dancer. Uh, and she lets herself, I mean, those, she's doing those flips for real. And it, 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 it's just one of those, like, popcorn. It doesn't take you any new places. It just feels like a warm hug with a, with a knife in your back. <laughs> a warm hug with a knife in your back is one of my, <laughs> that's great. Megan was my number one. Oh, right on. Yay. So 
Um, it also has, I love the score. It, it, it's not my favorite score of the year, but it has a lot of good music. Did either one of you like Megan? I loved Megan. It was so much fun. Oh. Um, I loved the dancing. Um, the <laughs> the lead actress did such a great job. It was hard for me to tell. Is that an actress? Is that a mannequin? Is that CGI? Like, it was really hard to figure out. She did an amazing job. And, and, the, uh, and I'm the, actually still looking for the sequel, by the way, because you know there's going to be one. So. McCorgan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the bit they did in the uh, the Blumhouse presentation at uh, Universal Studios Hollywood Horror Nights with Megan was phenomenal. One of the top three uh, <laughs> events uh, of this past year's. Uh, Hollywood Horror Nights. It also did a viral sensation where people, you know, yeah. on TikTok and every uh, yeah. and once again, really good marketing campaign came really in, in early at the top of the of the year and just blew everyone away. I mean, it's so funny because the, the three films I saw in the, within a week of each other, I saw Shin Ultraman, which made my list, Cinema Rink, which we've talked about tonight, and Megan all in a row. Uh, you know, so it, it you know good good start to the year actually. Even if Skinner Rink was tedious, uh, but Megan was fun. And you know, I went to see it in theater, and then I took my evil genius when I was with, with them to see it. And then it had an R-rated cut, which isn't really that much different. Uh, but I do prefer it because why cut out the blood? There's no reason to. Um, so I, I, I recommend Megan to anybody and the, the blood is not even like, you know, it, it's so marginal. I, I don't even know why they cut it. So, but anyway, go see it if you haven't, cause it's, I think it's on Peacock right now, but I'm not sure. So. Ooh, Raven. <laughs> Last movie. Number one. This is so interesting. Listen to this segue. The person who wrote and directed my number one is not usually known for directing and writing. She was actually in the Barbie movie as Midge. Oh, what? What? She also acts a lot more than she directs. She was in The Crown as Camilla. She was in The Danish Girl as Elsa. She also does more writing than she does directing. She recently wrote the book for the musical Cinderella that Andrew Lloyd Webber did in 2020. She also wrote and directed Promising Young Woman. This year, my number one, Emerald Fennel, wrote and directed Saltburn, which is one of the most amazing films I've ever seen. Not only this year, but maybe in the past decade. Um, Saltburn's on Amazon. Yeah, Saltburn is on Amazon. Um, It takes place at Oxford University, and 
the main character is played by Barry Kogan, and he was nominated for um, a Golden Globe for this movie, but nobody gave a shit about Saltburn for the Oscars. I really felt they were highly overlooked. Rosamund Pike had an amazing performance. Um, Jacob Elordi, everyone's performance was Oscar-worthy in this. Um, So Oliver Quick is our main character. He finds himself drawn into um, this world of an aristocratic student named Felix. And Felix invites Oliver to his home in a town called Saltburn. Maybe like the estate is called Saltburn, but it sounds like like there's signs saying Saltburn. So I think it's like this family is super, 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 super rich. Oxford, uh, or rather Oliver is a scholarship kid. So, you know, all the rich people notice that he's renting a suit for graduation and, you know, like his shoes aren't, don't go with his outfit and crap like that. Um, he really starts becoming obsessed with what this guy Felix has. Um, they start a relationship and they could be in love, maybe not. <laughs> but Felix's stay at Saltburn kind of starts evolving from. I'm going to stay here for a vacation or on a school break, so I'm not at the school by myself all weird, into, hey, it's been a month and this dude's still around. But also, the family starts dying one by one. Um, (laughs) And the first person to die, uh, wow, it's a shock. And each continuing person to die, it's a shock. This isn't necessarily horror, but there's dead bodies in it a lot, and the director considers it a vampire film. Liz, that's why I said my Hmm. number one might be a horror. I'm not going to explain why I think it might be a vampire film, because this is a total spoiler. There's a lot of things that are spoilers, and honestly, I found out about this movie because of TikTok. (laughs) It was people Hmm. talking about a scene without spoiling it, and I'm like... I wonder which on? one they're talking about. Might <laughs> be in the bathroom. Um, so I'm like getting hints, but uh, no idea really what I'm walking into. And this is also executive produced by Margot Robbie. And oh, wow. um, yeah, so it has something that I can't put my finger on that really reminds me of a Clockwork Orange, not Kubrick, oh. but a Clockwork Orange. Um, so th- there's something very um, otherworldly about it, even though we feel like we could also just get on an airplane and be there in eight hours. But it's it's almost like a different timeline. It's so interesting. They said it in 2006, and I'm realizing, oh. like, there's not much I can notice between 2006 and today, whereas someone in Gen Z is going to be like, oh, it's so old. Look at how all this vintage 2006 stuff. (laughs) Um, And I know it's accurate. It's just I don't know. But it's interesting to think like 1000, if I watched a movie about 1980, it would be very clearly another era to me. 
So maybe that's mm-hmm. what seems otherworldly. I'm not quite sure, but um, the main the main cast is amazing. It's a very unique genre film, and just run, don't walk. It's on Amazon. Like watch it as right. soon as the show's over. Number one, here we go. Do it. Um, I hate to say this, but we only have 10 minutes, so we got to go quick for the last three of these, but uh, um, we should be good because uh, we can run over a little bit. Uh, so, but yeah, Saltburn, that's enough for cinematography. Absolutely. Um, I think so you, said, you I, said you didn't know, it, you said you didn't know anything going into Saltburn. I think that might be the way to do it because while I enjoyed the movie, it was kind of a victim of hype to me and that it had been hyped up to me so much that it just couldn't live up to that. So anyone who's listening that has, that doesn't know anything about Saltburn, keep it that way till you see it. Yeah. Yeah. It helped a lot. It it just, it really hit me well. Uh, Aaron, go Uh ahead. Uh, well, my number one was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, so let me talk briefly about Asteroid City. Uh, when the trailer oh, came out, I, I, I very um, snarkily said that of the trailer, it looks like Wes Anderson fucked Wes Anderson and had a Wes Anderson film. And, <laughs> and that wasn't too far off. Um I am a fan of Wes Anderson, so it, it I really enjoyed it. It's at number eight for me on, on my top ten. Um, I don't think I'm going to recommend it to Natalie, who does like some Wes Anderson, but not all. Um, the other thing I – the film itself is as convoluted as anything Wes Anderson has ever done. We start off – with a telecast of a documentary about a play, which is in a play within the movie. And I don't want to give too many details away, but if you're a fan of Wes Anderson, it's worth the trip. Yes, it's probably a little too twee. Uh, Yes, it's Wes Anderson fucking around with the color scheme again, like he always does. Yes, it's a lot of the stable of Wes Anderson characters, but there's some good performances in it and it touches on issues of loss and coping and grief as well as being just fucking weird Wes Anderson. So for me, it's, it's worth watching. Uh, the other thing I want to say uh, just really briefly, best double feature that I can recommend for anybody this year, uh, the blackening and summoning Sylvia horror comedies, both, and uh, just funny and silly, and yeah. All right, Megan, what is your you said your Megan was your number one, so we want to close out with. Megan was my number one, and I know my number two is your number one, so I already know that. So okay. I want to. I was going to mention Infinity Pool because it was really good, but I'm going to go and grab a movie from further down my list just because I want to mention this movie and get the name out there. It's a movie called Bottoms. My favorite comedy of the year, two outcast lesbian high school students start a fight club to get laid. And it's just (laughs) as off the wall and funny and crazy as as that premise sounds. Um, The the feeling of this movie, I I described it earlier as the feel of this movie kind of reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite if it was funny. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
it's you know, I I don't know. This movie just really hit on all cylinders and hit right where my comedy spot is and I I'm really picky about comedies. But this one just really nailed it. So bottoms is a great flick. That's number ten yeah. for me. So nice. And it's it's also I think a witness. It's it's uh there was that and there was that film a couple of years ago. This these are the comedians that are going to lead us into the future. You can tell they're just they're already incredible writers from such a young age. Oh my goodness. Um. So all right. So my number one is a film from Spain, and it is the first time I, uh, it was one of the most, the second most refreshingly original film I saw this year. Um, the the other one would have been The Clone Tyrone, which we didn't get time to talk about, but I did Best soundtrack of the year. As well. Yeah, best soundtrack, and oh, costume art direction is amazing. Uh, when Evil Lurks is my number one. Uh, oh, when Evil Lurks is on Shutter Street. Yep, it's on Shutter. My number two. Um, it is absolutely one of those films that stuck with me this year. Um, it's on edge the entire time. It is absolutely original, yet, and the world building is amazing. Um, I, they, 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 I, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because I think a lot of it, once again, going in cold and seeing some of these images the first time, though, do be prepared. There is some absolutely brutal shit going on in this movie. Um, and one of the most brutal moments in 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 a film this year was in Winnie wow. Relics. Absolutely, it's, it's been and, it has been forever since I could say that a death scene in a movie disturbed me. This one did. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is it is not violent for violence' sake. It is truly horrible and truly horrific. And this is the classic example of a modern horror film. And I hope more people find it. Um, it has a kinetic energy about it that, is, um, that goes all through it. Um, it I, I can't recommend this film enough. I, 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 it's not for everyone. There are a few people I would not recommend this to, uh, like your mom. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just saying in general, don't recommend it to your mom. But if you're into horror and you're and you have a strength and you can handle some of the more brutal films out there, I would say that When Evil Works is absolutely uh, original and and it's it's worth your time. It, it, and all I will say is the, the, the spin on it um, is that it's um, demon possession, but it's treated like a disease, and I've never seen that before. And it takes this into oh. all sorts of different ways. It's very cool. All right, Raven, you want to close out about Evil Lurks, and then we're going to close up shop for the night. Yeah. Um, so I had it. I had that at number eight, and that was actually my tie with Birth Rebirth. Um, ah. There are. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the first act, especially of When Evil Lurks. I would have loved, I would have loved for it to kind of keep its foot on the gas. Um, and some of the world building was a little excessive towards the end to me. Like it started feeling like a chore. Um, maybe around the end, just around the ending. But overall, I thought it was still really solid. It's still really unique. It's worth watching. There's things. Even if you watched a million horror movies, there are things you've never seen before. Exactly. So, 
Any final thoughts, Raven, for the, before we will close out for the night? This is our last time going around. Anything that you want to bring up before we go? Uh, just in general, seek out some of these movies that are directed by women. It's not that there aren't female directors. There are tons of them, and they gave a, gave a great showing this year. So do some Googling. Find them. They're around. Support women. <laughs> Let's start shaking up the academy so it's more than just old men sniffing their own asses. Thank you and good night. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, uh, Aaron. What's final thoughts oh, for the night? Uh, well, thank you for Malum, My Animal, Candyland, and Society of the Snow. Uh, I'll go look those up uh, when we're done here. Uh, you asked for upcoming cool things. So tomorrow is National Fish Taco Day. Mm-hmm. Check out your local taqueria. There are some specials out there. It's mm-hmm. also uh, Robert Burns Day, uh, um, Burns Night. Uh, if you got Scottish heritage, I don't need to tell you what that's all about. But for everyone else, Robert Burns, uh, poet, uh, balladeer, romantic hero of Scotland. And it's basically what St. Patrick's Day is to Ireland. Uh, For upcoming things, we have a Z-Night reunion weekend, January 26th and 28th at the Los Angeles Marriott Burbank. Uh, Join Lucy Lawless, Renee O'Connor, and all your faves in a salute to your favorite warriors fighting for the greater good. A Xena Warrior Princess Con. I'm so tempted. And then uh, February... Oh, come on, dude. Do Take it. part in healing yoga, cosplay, trivia, photo ops, panels, and more in a weekend of Herculean proportions. Oh, I'm in. You um, know you want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, my first horror con of the year is coming up February 2nd through the 4th at the Ontario Convention Center. Once again, it is Creep IE, the IE standing for uh, Inland Empire. And there's going to be a Sons of Anarchy reunion, a screen union, all kinds of celebs and merch and stuff. Yay. Well, uh, yay. So lots to report on. That'll be awesome. All yes. right, Nathan, close out your 2023. Yeah, my main project right now where you can find me is uh, Deep South Wrestling. Look it up on uh, Facebook. I'm the lead commentator there having a great time. We, uh, we're currently looking into the possibility of having our show from last weekend certified by Guinness as the coldest outdoor professional wrestling show in history. It was nice. It was 27 degrees. I was sitting at the commentary table doing commentary, and my Coke froze on the table in front oh of me. God. It was so funny. No. It was funny. In Atlanta, yes, but we were having yeah, – it was funny. You could watch the crowd, and as the – it was an outdoor show, and as the sun kind of went down, you could see them moving out of the shadows and into the sliver of sunlight. It was great. But, yeah, uh, check out Deep South Wrestling. Um, and that's – I may – I have some very interesting projects coming up on the horizon that I'm not going to talk about quite yet. But when I do, the, you guys will be the first to know. Um, go check out independent wrestling, go check out independent movies, go check out independent music. And that's my wrap up for 2023. Nice. 
2023 was a bit of a rough one for me. I'm hope and I didn't want to end the podcast with that season. Eight was amazing. Nine wasn't so amazing. It was all right. There were some good episodes in there um, and good interviews as always. But um, so we're doing one more season, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we will discuss. I don't know where we're going to come back because we've got to have a, a, a a council meeting about how we're going to approach this year, but there are a lot of things I'm already going to talk about in the future. Uh, one is I have three, we're going to go see Hamilton next week on the road trip tour at the Fox Theater. It'll be my second time seeing Hamilton live. That'll be awesome. Um, we are also, um, we are, I'm going, I've been planning for a while to go to Niagara Falls to go see the total eclipse in the sun on April 8th happens to be also WrestleMania weekend and the most direct drive from uh, from an airport to Niagara Falls is actually Philadelphia. It's actually one of the easiest things to do. So, uh, we are flying into, we are covering WrestleMania weekend on this show. We are not going to the big show, but we are going to see at least two GCW shows and one deathmatch slash metal concert. So that's going to be interesting. So, you know, there's always something for everyone on WrestleMania weekend. It's not just about the sweaty, beefy boys. There's a little bit of uh, something for everyone. So, uh, But then we're going to go up to Niagara Falls, and I, we will do a dark a dark walkthrough report about the little, we're going to tour all three of the dark rides up there and uh, come back and give a report on the show about those. Um, so we, there's lots of things to look forward to, Raven. We've got so much happening. Yay. So, yay. Um, I also have tickets to the Dead South, so, um, which is a, uh, folk rock, horror rock folk group. South, I don't southern, know how to... southern Gothic Bluegrass. Okay, Damn. that's good. Southern Gothic, yeah. So, uh, that's coming up as well. I mean, so there's all sorts there's, there's, there's of things up the pipe. And but the big one is going to be the Niagara Falls trip this year. I've been up there twice. Um, this is my third time going up there, and I know that area pretty well. Um, but it it it's going to be so much fun. So love you guys. Thank you as always, Sexy yeah. Witches. And uh, we will be back probably in about two weeks or so. I will get I'll, I'll lock down a date. Um, we'll have probably a group meeting and talk about stuff and things and stuff and things and stuff and uh, how we're going to do this because um, I don't want to make anybody do anything they don't want to do. And, you know, 2024, it's a crazy time. It's, I, someone asked me, what's 2024? What's the one word you think of? And I said, inferno. So anyway, good night. Yeah. That's the good film hunting. We'll see y'all in a couple weeks. I'm going to leave you with the Scott Brothers Walk the Night. Good night.
shout night. Cooper got mad and angry eyes. One look from him can paralyze. Resist at any time or place. Cooper let a slap right across your face. Yeah. yeah. Make you grovel on the floor, spit up and scream and take the mall. 